Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. For the Christ follower, it's a complete moment of my salvation. See, when I was saved, I was saved from sin. Now I'm saved to kind of become like him. That's what I'm doing all these years. That's what you're doing. I'm saved from the power of sin. Initially at salvation, I was saved from the penalty, but now I'm, I'm trying to defeat this. Eventually, when I get to heaven, I'm saved from the presence of sin. No more sin, no more temptation. It's gone. Do you understand the powerful thing that happens when you accept Christ? Scripture speaks of how we, through Christ, can overcome sin's power in our life. Today, Pastor Mark will encourage listeners that there is a day coming when sin's presence will no longer exist. Even though we can be no longer in bondage to sin in this life, its presence still affects us and those around us. When we join the Lord in heaven, it will be completely absent. Are you excited about that today? Don't be afraid to tell the world of this great news of deliverance for all mankind. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Daniel with part two of his message, a look at what happens before the tribulation. Harpazo, uh, Greek, Latin, raptus, caught up to snatch away. So what does that simply mean? Here it is. It's the time of Jesus' return, Keyword: in the air to take his followers to heaven. Jesus will come back, not to the earth. His feet won't touch the earth. That's the second coming. He'll come in the air to take his followers away. Now, the first person to mention the principle of the rapture was Jesus. Now, keep your finger right there in Thessalonians and turn back to the book of John. You know where that is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just go two books past me. Two books past me, okay? What are you talking about? Two books past Balmer. No, two books past Mark, all right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 14. Jesus had just said to his disciples, I'm leaving. Well, the disciples were hurting. Now, as I'm going through this this morning, I want you to understand, every single person here this morning will experience or understand what I'm going to talk about. It's not just for the Jews. It's for every single person, believer and unbeliever. So pay attention, because this is your history. This is what's going to take place. Now, Jesus says this to his disciples, because they're all worried. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. What I'm telling you is the truth. Trust also in me. In my father's house, there's many rooms, old translation, mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you, speaking to Christians alone. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So Jesus is telling his disciples about the future of all believers that's going to be in heaven. Heaven's a real place. And Jesus assures his shaken disciples that he's, even though he's going to the cross, he's going to leave them and he's going to heaven. He says there is life after death. There is an actual heaven. And he says to them, I'm coming back to take you to heaven. So don't be panicked. Don't be feared. Now, Jesus speaks about that. He speaks about other things we'll see later. But later on, the Apostle Paul, the greatest writer in the New Testament, he gets a total clear explanation of what Jesus is talking about. The rapture, the second coming, the tribulation. And in 1 Thessalonians and in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, he clarifies all about the rapture in our new bodies that we're going to get when we go to heaven. Now, so in 1 Thessalonians 4, we have the most direct and clear teaching on rapture. Now, look at me. Everything I'm going to talk about now is only for believers. Has nothing to do with unbelievers. We'll talk about that at a later time. So this is real Christians, not people that say, well, I believe in God. That's not a real believer. Satan believes in God. It's a person that has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, we believe, as I told you, that Christ will return in two stages, as most evangelicals throughout the whole world and have forever. So here is something you can write down. These two phases, Jesus coming for the church, it's called the rapture, later, Jesus coming with the church. So Jesus coming for Christ followers, later, after seven years, he'll come back with us because we'll be in heaven, and that's called the second coming. So what is the difference between the rapture and the second coming? And you'll see this is why we teach it, because it's crystal clear. Number one, the rapture, Christ comes in the air. He doesn't come to the earth. In the second coming, he comes right back to the earth. Remember, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples are watching Jesus go after he's been resurrected. He goes right to heaven. And they're going like, wow, wow, he's gone. I can't even see him. And the angels say, what are you standing here for? Well, we're looking at, well, you don't have to worry. He's coming back. The same mountain he left, his feet are going to come down on this mountain. So the second coming is that's what's going to take place. Now, the rapture, he comes in secret. The only way unbelievers will know is that thousands and millions Probably more than a billion people will be missing. And they go, what, 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 what happened there? They'll be driving a car, and hopefully it's not the driver. The person they're talking to in the seat is gone. So they, they won't hear this. It's in secret. Now, what about when the second coming comes? This is very interesting. The Bible teaches when he comes again with the church, every eye will see him. Go back 50 years from now. Pastor Mark, I knew the Bible was wrong. There's no way on this world every eye will see him. What do you have in your hand? Us dummies have a smartphone. How about you? Or an iPad. Can every eye in the world see him? Absolutely. See, when this happened, these people are going, well, write it down, but I don't see how that'll ever happen. Understand. Number three, Jesus comes to take us out of the world because 
to keep us from judgment. And when he comes at the end in the second coming, he finishes the judgment of the earth, the battle of Armageddon. Satan is put in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and the Antichrist and all the rest are just sent to the lake of fire. He finishes it. And last, the tribulation period begins after the rapture. Seven years. Now, what begins after the second coming? A thousand years of peace. New, kind of like the Garden of Eden on earth. And you and I will be here as we come back. Wonderful. Can I hear an amen somewhere? We're going to be here with him on a new earth. Now, watch this. Look at verse 13 again. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant. Paul writes, and I'll explain that in a moment, about those who fall asleep, believers who have died, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. There was confusion when Paul taught about the rapture. Let's say he had been to Thessalonica, as just a church like us, and he, he planted all these churches, and he's there, and he's teaching about the rapture, that all Christians are going to be, and of course, it didn't happen in Paul's time. He uses the word we, he thought it would. It hasn't happened to us yet, but it's going to happen. And so Paul just says, well, there's going to be a rapture, and you're all going to be gone. Well, what happened between that and when he came back, maybe a year or two later on another missionary tour, what happened between now and then is, in a church, some people died. Some Christians died. So they're going, uh, they're going to miss the rapture. So will I ever see him again? There was confusion. They're gone. Where did they go? And so Paul has to explain it. Notice what he says here. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to explain to you what that's going to look like when this takes place. Now, he basically is going to answer their question, and he's going to answer our questions. Now, it's a strange word Paul uses. Look at it. We don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Sleep was a common word to describe the bodies of departed Christians. You see, if you look at you this morning, what are you? First of all, you're a what? You're a body. Can I hear? Yeah, you have a body next to you. You don't have a ghost next to you. You have a body next to you. But the real you and me is what? Spirit. Can you see your spirit? No, you can't see your spirit. That's the invisible world. So when a, when a person dies, that word body, sleep, is always talking about what? Their physical body. When you stop breathing, they're dead. And the body is asleep, as if it was asleep. And it goes into the ground. That's it. At death, the spirit leaves the body, and the body goes to sleep. And it no longer functions. So there's some people that believe in soul sleep, that when you die... They're wrong. There's no such thing as soul sleep. That they believe this. When you die, your body and your spirit go in the grave and you wait till Jesus comes. Okay, let's think, think of what that looks like. I just died. Well, let's say I died 200 years ago. My body and my spirit are in the ground. I'm waiting 200 years. I'm waiting 500 years. Are you coming, God? I can't see anything. How many like that? Anybody want a soul sleep? No. Well, why is soul sleep not biblical? Because what does Paul say? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, is your body present? No, just your spirit. You're going to get a new body there, a temporary one, then you're going to get a new one later. How many like that a little better? Absolutely. When the thief was on the cross and he said to Jesus, you have to be the Messiah. I believe in you. What did Jesus say? 
Well, a thousand years from now, your body will join me in heaven. What did Jesus say to him? Today, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do you got it? So there's no such thing as soul sleep. So Paul's not talking about that at all. What he's saying is, when a person dies, your body goes into the ground. That, that's simply it. That's the way it looks. It's, it's finished, it's over, and your spirit is present with the Lord. I want to talk a little bit about funerals, because I think this is good. I thought about it yesterday. Some of us think about our funerals. Man, I wonder what they're going to say about me. I like to be there to hear what they say about all the good things they say about me. Now, you're either going to be in a casket, your body, or most of us today, we just are cremated. And people struggle with cremation. Don't struggle with cremation. You don't have to worry about cremation. At 9-11, what happened to those people? They were all cremated. Well, I guess God's going to have a really tough time with that. No, what did you start with? Dirt. You're going back to dirt. All the body does in, in a casket is what? Cremation just speeds it up. It can be dust. Relax. Now, here's what people think. I can't wait to hear what people say at my funeral. You're not at your funeral. For some of you, that's a wide awake. I have to write that down. You're not there. Where are you? You're in heaven. Your body is there in the ancient. Speak. It's over. Doesn't matter what they say. You're in heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. All right. Now, got that out of the way. Just want to make sure you're clear. Write that down. For some of you, this is worth the whole week right there. Okay. Now, look at the last part of verse 13. I love it. Brothers, we do not want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. You know, grieving is biblical. When we lose a loved one, we all grieve. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for grieving. But I came across this, and I want you to think about this. This is, this is really difficult. There's two types of grieving. Hopeless grieving. You see, that means when our friends and relatives die as unbelievers, we grieve for them. But it's hopeless grieving. Why? Listen, we will never see them again. You have to think about that. That's why we preach the gospel. We will never see them again. Then there's hopeful grieving. Hopeful grieving is our friends and relatives die as believers. And the Bible teaches us we will see them again. Amen. Why do we have hope? Well, Paul says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring him with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. Paul reminds us that the reason I have hope is because Jesus died for my sins. He was resurrected. He came back to life. And the same power that rose him from the grave is going to be that power raises you to life again forever with God. Amen. Now look at verse 15. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are not left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. I'll explain all of this in a moment. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ, those that have already been believers and died, will rise how? First is the key. You might want to circle that. After that, we who are still alive on the earth, and the rapture occurs, and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord for about three weeks. It's a long vacation. No, let's get ready for a good shout from everybody, all the campuses. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Can I hear an amen? For how long? Forever. How long is it? We don't have a clue, but it's forever. Awesome. Powerful. Now, this rapture is going to take place. There's two phases to it, as you see that. Now, remember, right after the rapture takes place, what begins? Tribulation. So I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Now, let me explain what happens. What did Paul just say? The people who have already died that are Christians, where are they this morning? Let's see how you're doing. They're in heaven. Do they, uh, what's in heaven? Their spirits are in heaven. Their old bodies down here. So what's going to happen is, I believe actually they have some kind of a temporary body, because when we sound on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was talking to these two Old Testament people. They weren't like spirits there. They had some kind of body. So we don't know what that's going to look like. But the dead in Christ, who have previously died, will be resurrected to meet Christ in the air. Uh, again, and, and they are going to be raised first. And as they go in the air, they're going to get their new resurrected body. Wow. Fantastic. Now, Who comes second? What did Paul say? Those of us that are alive. So the dead come, they come first. Now, why do the dead come first to then be resurrected? We're going to join them in the air. But why do they come first from heaven down? Well, I always use this illustration because they're six foot under. It takes them a little longer to get ready. (laughs) I have no idea why, but that's what's going to happen. So if you have a relative that's died and they're a Christian, they're in heaven, they will be resurrected what? first. Seconds later, who comes? Every Christian that's raptured. Every person that's a born again Christian is going to be right. And, and we will meet Christ in the air. As we rise, rise, we'll get our new heavenly bodies. Anybody excited about that? See, a lot of us are excited. Well, I don't have makeup anymore. I don't have the heck. I'll finally have hair as I used to when I was 12 years old. All kinds of these things. We talk about that. But really what's going to be exciting is this. We no longer will have a sin nature. Everybody here has said this. God, I'll never do that again. Mm-hmm. Tuesday. Okay. I will never be tempted to sin again because it's gone. I'll never be sick. There's no no such thing as special needs. There's no such thing as wheelchairs. There's no such thing as Alzheimer's. Perfect as God designed us forever. Bodies fit for heaven. No more TSA. I can just fly wherever I want to go. That's fantastic. First class too, baby. First class. Not this economy stuff. Like First class. So we're going to get a new body. Can I hear an amen? Come on, be excited about it. Okay, good. By the way, 1 Corinthians talks about that 15. I don't have time to go there today. And then I'm going to be in heaven. You talk about family reunion with everybody. Christians from old days, all that, our relatives are friends. Sometimes when we mention family reunion, mm, 
perhaps. Not such a good thing. <laughs> At Christmas, who's coming? Oh, yeah, yeah, really? Okay. But this is going to be a great family reunion. An awesome family reunion. So when I get there, when I get there, it's going to be this incredible family reunion. But by the way, not just people like, that look like us. From every nation, every tribe, every language around the world. That's what it's going to be like. See, there, there's no prejudice with God. We're all made, doesn't matter your skin, your color, what you look like, what you like. We're all made in the image of God. And we're going to be together as a family. Now, after the rapture comes the tribulation. Notice this verse, Revelation six seventeen. For the great day of their wrath has come. Now, what is the wrath of God? Here it is. The wrath of God is his divine response to human sin and disobedience. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what kind of a God? I thought God was a God of love. He is, but he's a just God. And eventually, you know the, you know the verse, you know the principle. What we sow, we reap. So this time during the seven years is God pouring out his wrath on people who refuse to believe, absolutely refuse the grace of God and worship the Antichrist, false. They have no desire to worship God. In fact, after all this happens, those people curse God instead of submit to him. Now, look at first, why, what is the purpose of the rapture then? Look at First Thessalonians 5, 9. So the tribulation is seven years of God's wrath. The church is going to be taken away. Christians are going to be taken away before. Why? For God did not appoint us to suffer, what? Wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God didn't appoint his followers to experience wrath. Now, we have trouble in this world. We have sickness. We have sin. We have all these things. But that's due to the world we're in. All the stuff that's happening in our world. That's, not, that's due to God's wrath. When you picture God's wrath... And God provides grace, a way not to experience his wrath. But sinners, all of us were sinners. When we accept his grace, we, we no longer have to be subject to God's wrath. You don't ever have to worry about it. But if you reject his goodness, his offer of salvation, his grace and mercy, then you're subject to that wrath. So the rapture actually has two aspects, salvation and wrath. For the Christ follower, it's a completement of my salvation. See, when I was saved, I was saved from sin. Now I'm saved to kind of become like him. That's what I'm doing all these years. That's what you're doing. I'm saved from the power of sin. Initially, at salvation, I was saved from the penalty. But now I'm, I'm trying to defeat this. Eventually, when I get to heaven, I'm saved from the presence of sin. No more sin. No more temptation. It's gone. That's the completion of my salvation. Now, for the unbeliever, it's a time of experiencing God's wrath on the earth because they've always rejected. There's only one sin that sends you to hell. It's rejecting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture, but it is without signs. Today, we learn from Pastor Mark that Jesus has cautioned us to be ready for an unexpected coming. Living with an expectancy of his return and a mindset on eternity will allow him to use us in the best way possible. Human sin and disobedience has caused God to respond. Avoid his judgment by committing your life to Jesus today. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. How should we feel towards the coming rapture and tribulation? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will encourage Christ followers to be filled with hope, not fear. There's no fear in death for the believer. There's no fear in the end of this world because our hope and security is in Christ. Don't miss the rapture and experience a taste of hell on earth during the tribulation. Commit to Jesus today. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Daniel. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.